Once again, appreciate everyone being here this morning. And after that, that song, can't help but remember Brother Frank. He said, we'll work till Jesus comes. And he did. Well, until he took his last breath, we're still working till Jesus comes. So just appreciate that and remember you. You know, we have mem memories of many folks, our brethren, who have gone on before us, brothers and sisters who were uh, strong in the faith, and, and we appreciate uh, the memories of them. And uh, God gave us the abilities to remember, and, and that's a blessing that he's given. Maybe we take for granted many times of, uh, that, that God didn't have to give us that, but he did, and he gave us the ability to remember so that we can remember his word. And as we're continuing in the book of Mark, we make our way now to chapter 11, uh, which is really getting into the, last, the final days of, of Christ here on earth. And uh, we see about the triumphal entry. From chapter 11 forward, the events of Mark's gospel take place in or near Jerusalem. Jerusalem's always been a key place, uh, uh, geographically speaking. It's uh, had a lot of importance, still has a lot of importance where it's located even today. Uh, we see a lot of battles and things going on around there, but it was a, uh, a center place there. So from Jesus' triumphal entry to his resurrection from the dead, occurring within the time span of, of eight days. So the first day is often remembered uh, in the religious world. Many would call it Palm Sunday. You may have heard that, that phrase before. Uh, many... Uh, taking it too far and did little thing, different things that go on with that. But, but we do recognize where Jesus made a triumphal entry into the city uh, accompanied by crowds who, who laid branches or palms on, on the road before him as he rode into town on the colt of a donkey. So kind of start getting that, remember some of these things. Many may be the first time for some uh, to, to uh, hear of this account. I uh, appreciate our brother Ryan so ably reading uh, for us. And I do want to notice, you know, when, when you see someone and they drop their Bible and stuff comes out, that means they got study materials going on. So that shows Ryan's been studying. And he has that together. And I appreciate you uh, reading so ably the scripture for us. We appreciate you, Ryan. And, and so he, he's read this before, and now we're going to go over it again. We're going to break it down. The significance of this um, uh, event was not understood by his disciples until later. Uh, John 12, verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, uh, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. And this was part of that. It was you know, all encompassing of the things that, that they did not understand before. Uh, after his ascension, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples, uh, those 12 being added with Matthias to take uh, Judas's place. We see the Holy Spirit coming upon them, the disciples only in the book of Acts, going with cha uh, Acts chapters 1 and Acts chapter 2. So we, we see this, that they didn't have an understanding of this until later. So with the benefit of hindsight and further revelation we get to take a closer look at the narrative all right the the preparation jesus and his disciples now draw near to jerusalem mark 11 and verse 1 now when they drew near to jerusalem to bethphage to bethany at, at the mount of olives he sent two of his disciples all right so that gets us geographically oriented there by way of bethany uh, the, the term bethany means house of dates uh, Bethpage, house of unripe figs, or the definition of those names. Two small villages near the Mount of Olives uh, bef uh, between Jericho and Jerusalem. So Jesus arranges for two disciples 
to get a colt. Verses 2 and 3. He said to them, to the two disciples, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So a colt on which no one had ever sat before. Uh, by foreknowledge or arrangement, Jesus knows the owner will consent. The disciples get the colt just as Jesus predicted. Verses 4 to 6, so they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street and they loosed it. But Some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. So we see the narrative, the preparation of this, and now we come to the triumphal entry. Jesus mounts the colt, verse 7. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. It is brought to him, clothes placed on it, he sits on it. Matthew mentions two animals, likely the mother to calm the colt in Matthew 21 and verse 2 saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. We see Matthew's account. We bring these synoptic gospels again together. We get more information from the, the, the different gospels. Matthew 21 and verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. In Mark's account, the cult is the primary focus of that. Uh, so he, uh, by inspiration, did not include that, but Matthew did uh, regarding uh, the, the donkey. So many tried to prepare his way and make it easier for him. Now back to Mark chapter 11, our text this morning, verse 8. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The significance of the clothes placed before him might be found in 2 Kings 9 verses 11, uh, excuse me, 12 and 13. We recognize the Old Testament was written for our admonition, for our learning. So we can go back and we can see maybe where, where this came from. And they said, a lie, tell us now. So he said, thus and thus he spoke to me saying, thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then each man hastened to take his garment and put it under him on the top of the steps. And they blew trumpets, saying, Jehu is king. So John mentions palm branches in John 12 and verse 13. Took branches of palm trees. So we get a little more information about these branches. The palm trees and went out to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the king of Israel. Many praise Jesus as he rides the colt. Verses 9 and 10, then those who went before and those who followed, they're both sides, before and after, cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Crying, Hosanna, save or please save. So fulfillment we see in Psalm 118 and verse 25. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. So we see this fulfillment beginning here with the Hosanna, please save. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Fulfillment, verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Again, continuing to see uh, prophetic fulfillment. 
Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Last week we looked at the blind Bartimaeus who cried out, uh, O son of David. Uh, and, and so we recognize that they have an understanding of the lineage here of, of King David and, and, and this Jesus the Christ. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus enters Jerusalem in verse 11. Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So he goes straight to the temple. Uh, very important to the, the, the Jews, to the Israelites, to uh, who the law of Moses had been given to, and to them alone, to the Jews, for that set period of time. And, and the temple was very important to them, though they very, very much misused it, misunderstood it. Jesus, having full understanding, he immediately went to the temple and looks around. But the hour was late, and so he did not stay long. So return to Bethany. Jesus returns to Bethany with the twelve in verse 11. So where he, he likely stays each night during the week until Passover. Likely at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Again, we see more of the, in the context of this time frame, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. So we see where that marries up with what we're looking at in Mark, where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. So with this brief look at the narrative, we want to know the context that we're talking about. Now let, let's offer some observations. The fulfillment of prophecy. Matthew explains that all this was in fulfillment of prophecy. Matthew 21, verses 4 to 6. Matthew writes, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Recognize in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, considering the evidence of fulfillment, Zechariah writes by inspiration, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal, of a donkey, written hundreds of years before, but yet fulfilled to the nth degree. Some view the short visit to the temples as fulfilling prophecy. Malachi 3 and verse 1, Malachi writes, Behold, I, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming says the Lord of hosts. So we see an observation here of fulfillment of prophecy. Again, as Christians, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We're looking at the Word of God from the Old Testament, again, which was written for our admonition, for our learning, so that we can learn and know what the meaning is when we see the fulfillment and we consider that overwhelming evidence that this is Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Another observation would be the nature of the kingdom. Again, very much misunderstood in the religious world. It was misunderstood then, and it continues to be misunderstood by many today. Those who are not willing to consider the evidence as a, as a whole, 
but wanting to fulfill certain man-made doctrines that, that they've concocted in their minds. Certainly Satan uh, as the deceiver putting them there. The actions and words of the crowd reflect messianic anticipation as read in verse 11. And then John chapter 12, verses 12 and 13 we've considered. Earlier, some had tried to force Jesus to become a king, but, but he refused. If you remember, remember back in John chapter 6 and verse 15, therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force, to make him king. You see that, that, that physical, that, that's what they were looking at, the physical king. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So we can start seeing in their minds they were looking for that, that physical king and, and, and referencing back to David many times who was a physical king. Many were looking for the Messiah to be that physical king, but Jesus made it clear that his kingdom was not of this world will not be of this world even in the future. It's a spiritual kingdom. To the Pharisees, Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisee when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus, the master teacher, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation." But yet, how many today do we have that say, well, you know, the, the, the date's coming. They'll try to set dates and say, well, he's, he's coming. And so look for these signs and all of these things. Yet Jesus himself says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation and all. They're still looking for a physical kingdom to come. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Very important that we pick up on this. So he said that to the Pharisees. They're supposed to be you know, very learned in the, the law of Moses and all of the, the prophecies that have been, been given. But also to Pilate in John 18 and verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. And he goes on and talking about what's something that Pilate could understand. He says, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. So that I should not be delivered to the Jews. Now, my kingdom is not from here. Recognizing Pilate would be able to, to grasp that. Yeah, if it, if it was from here, he would be fighting. And, and little did he know if that were the case, that would not have been good. Paul made it clear that the kingdom was spiritual, not physical. Romans 14 and verse 17. Now, the, after the church has been established, we have the, the gospels explaining when, when Christ was here, the things that he taught and the things that he did. Going through the book of Acts, the establishment of the church itself, the kingdom, the body of Christ. The kingdom, the gates opened up at Pentecost, right? So we start looking at that. Well, now it's been here for a, a number of years, and, and now we get to the epistles. And Paul writing to the church, the, the Christians, those in the kingdom, there at that time, he says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He writes also to the church at Corinth in the first letter, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50. Now this I say, brethren. Again, establishing, he's not writing this to the, the world in general. The world in general needs to begin with the gospel and, and, and learn about Christ. Go back and study the Old Testament. It's understanding the prophecies. Then understand the book of Acts. Then after you obey the gospel according to uh, the book of Acts, the way that they obeyed the gospel then, the way that we obey the gospel today. By confession, repentance, and baptism into uh, the, the, the watery grave and God raising up a new creature to walk and keep on walking in newness of life. That's how they did it then. That's how we do it today. Then we get to the letters. These letters were written to the Christians, those who had obeyed the gospel. These letters are written to us, not the world in general. But Jesus said to them, now this I say, excuse me, uh, Paul writing this by inspiration says, now this I say, brethren. 
That flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Jesus' selection of the colt indicated the spiritual nature of his kingdom. We may gloss over the, 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 the evidence of the colt and the meaning of that. Normally, kings would ride in on a horse symbolizing war, symbolizing power. The donkey symbolized peace, befitting the nature of his kingdom. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we observe the fulfillment of prophecy. We, we observe the, the nature of the kingdom, the spiritual nature of the kingdom from our text, but also the, uh, observing the praise of the crowd. Just think how exciting it must have been. Just think about, even, uh, they, even though they had a misunderstanding, they looked at Jesus, uh, they had already tried to take him by force and make him that physical king. They're still looking at him as being the physical king. So how exciting would it be as a Jew in Jerusalem, at that time, your anticipation, your expectation of the physical king of coming and all of the things that they've had to endure, that the physical king is now coming, the, the anticipation of that. So we still should have that anticipation of the return of the king and the spiritual nature of the church. But consider their anticipation. He's here. This is Jesus. This is the Christ. The joy, the praise of Christ reached uh, eternal heights after his ascension. Revelation 5, verses 8 to 14. Now let's, let's look at the book of Revelation. Now, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a, a harp and golden bowl full of censor. In this vision, this is not physical. Again, the kingdom spiritual. And so uh, the bowl of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. See, that's what it's representing. Some today would say, oh, yeah, well, see, there's, they had harps in the New Testament in the church. No, so this is a, this is a figurative. It's representing the, the prayers of the saints. Do, do we have prayers of the saints in the church today? Absolutely. Do, do we have harps and pianos? No, we don't. And, and they sang. They sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. We see the praise of the crowd. It goes on in verse 10. And have made us, have made us. In the time that John, penned by inspiration, the book of Revelation, refers, saying, has made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures, the Zoe, said, Amen. 
That means let it be so. So be it. The 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Today, we can join in the praise of Christ. The worship to God. Giving glory to God for the Christ. We certainly do so each and every Lord's Day. Each first day of the week as commanded when we come together in one place to worship according to the scripture. We can look forward to praising Jesus when he returns, when we will be glorified together with him. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 10. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. What a triumphal entry that will be when Jesus returns. Again, we tried to, to, to get a picture in our own minds of, of the Jews at that time, the, the followers of, of Christ. They were following Christ at the time. Uh, again, many misunderstanding, but, but, but when we see that and the, this entry coming in, uh, can we think about that, the, the triumphal entry that Jesus will be when he returns? Not to offer himself for sin. He's already done that but to offer eternal salvation. But that eternal salvation is offered, uh, but it's conditional. Many in the religious world don't like to hear that. It's, it's unconditional. God's love is unconditional. God's grace and mercy is not. It is by condition. Hebrews 9, verses 27 and 28, And as it is appointed for men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. To those who eagerly wait for him, he returns for salvation. That eagerly waiting, recognize we can see uh, inferred within that and, and the rest of the scriptures. That is through obedient faith. That is eagerly waiting. Those who aren't faithful can't eagerly wait for it because of what it means when he does come. What it means for those who are not found knowing God and haven't obeyed the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But that day will be a salvation for those who do eagerly wait for him. For others, it's a day of condemnation. We go back to 2 Thessalonians 1, now verses 6 to 8. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. All right, so Paul's writing this to Christians. He's saying that those who are obedient, those who have obeyed the gospel are faithful until death. He's saying here to give you who are troubled rest with us. That would be the apostles. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Well, within this scene, he's got inflaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. See, it's conditional. Those who obey the gospel, who know God and obey the gospel and live faithfully until death, that's the condition. And God's grace and mercy is freely given to those who receive that through that obedient faith. But for those who do not, inflaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey, and yes, that is obey and keep on obeying, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. For others, it will be a day of destruction. As we await his triumphal entry at the last day, let us, as many as here and are, are willing to receive the word of God with gladness, 
Let us faithfully serve him today in his spiritual kingdom, which again was opened up, began at, at Pentecost, following his death, burial, and resurrection, that first Pentecost. The kingdom, the kingdom of, of whom Jesus gave the keys to, to Peter. And opened up, he utilized those keys and opened up that kingdom. We're in that kingdom, those who have obeyed the gospel. We'll get to that in just a second. Let's faithfully serve him today in his spiritual kingdom of righteousness, joy, and peace. Luke 19 and verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Again, as we have mentioned many times throughout the scriptures, we see the conditions. Uh, well, certainly, really, even those in, in the religious world as a whole would say, yeah, you got to hear. You got to hear the, the gospel. Okay, well, what do we do with what we hear? Do we believe the gospel in its entirety? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Do we believe that? If so, then we're going to, to be cut to the heart. We're going to recognize that we have sinned against God and, and, and that should create that, that godly sorrow because of what we have heard in the gospel and what we believe from the gospel that godly sorrow that leads to repentance that, that repentance of, of recognizing and, and beginning to look at sin for what it is Trans, transgressing God going against our creator we recognize that that godly sorrow, that repentance ready to make that good confession that Jesus Christ is absolutely the Son of God based on all of the overwhelming evidence and being immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins by the authority of Christ and be added to the church, which is the kingdom, which is the body of Christ. It is simple. It is so simple. Again, we mentioned it in class today that you know, there's a lot of deception and it can be misunderstood and there's plenty of people that will help one to misunderstand. But it really is simple. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be immersed for the remission of sins. Why do you, why do you wait? Arise and be baptized. Washing away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 22, 16. At that point, one becomes a Christian. Now the, the epistles are actually addressed to you also. Until that, it's not. And so when we look at that, we, we recognize that one must understand and, and be immersed, and God adds to the church daily those who are being saved, Acts chapter 2. But that's where that Christian life begins. So if you haven't obeyed the gospel, we sincerely encourage you to do so, and we want to help you with that. But it doesn't stop there. That once saved, always saved nonsense is just that. Nonsense. It's uh, once saved, we can remain saved by being obedient to the faith. And we must be obedient all the way until death. Revelation 2 and verse 10, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. So if you have obeyed the gospel, if you find yourself wavering uh, or not being obedient, it's something that, that we can help with. We want to do that also. If we can help, please come as together we stand and sing.